All right, we're we're recording. We're live, and I would like to tell the kind of sacrifice we're making today for the listeners. Yeah, I'm drinking coffee, and I'm probably going to set it down a few times on the table, and it's probably going to be loud. So we're just want to give them a little preview. Of what yeah, I might give like. you the preview. I think you slammed that a little bit. I pro- I did put it harder. I, just, I think they well now at least they're prepared exactly. mentally. It's like over promise. Yeah. Under no 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 under high expectations. High expectations. Low. Yeah. What's the word? Boy, I just don't even know. We're backwards on that one. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hey. Um. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. What are we talking about today? Well, today we decided this goes by many names. But today we decided we're going to talk about like church shopping or the the phrase I like to use more recently is the, um, you know, how, you know, college football players are going into the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So we're we're going to be talking about the church transfer portal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am. There's a there's a funny YouTube video on this that I watched a long time ago. It's not it's called. um, Oh, what's it called? Church Hunters. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 John B. Chris or Christ. Yeah. Anyways, it's pretty funny. But yeah, we, uh, what church do you go to? The kind of consumeristic idea that we have in America and other parts of the world where you shop for church, what best fits you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've been thinking about this. I like the, I like the word you use consumer mm-hmm. because it does feel like even our attitude, our attitude towards church, I think reflects our attitude towards God, because it's like a lot of times it turns into what's in it for me. Mm. What can God do for me? Yeah. And it just directly translates to like, okay, what can this church do for me? What is the music like? Do I yeah. get a feeling from it? Does the preacher inspire me? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. How, how's their children's service? What's their youth service yeah. like? What's, are they traditional or contemporary? Do they play the music I like? Is the pastor the ethnicity I like? Is Are the people the kinds of people I would hang out with? Yep. Yeah. Common questions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the question most people have um, is what church should I go to? What's the right church? I actually had that right when I got saved. It was, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a very strong tradition, you know, Christian tradition. And so when I got saved, I asked my kind of mentors, what church do I go to? I at least knew there were denominations, there were differences, didn't know what they were. So I asked these guys, hey, which which one's the right one? Make sure that there's a right, right. one. Yeah. The rest, they can't all be right. You so what, know. What, yeah, what was the answer to that? What did, what well, did they say? You know, I they weren't um, affiliated or like they weren't, the ministry they were serving in was not affiliated with the church. And so I don't know if they were not allowed to give me an answer, but they they didn't give me an answer. They just said, go where, you know, maybe where your, some of your friends go, or they told, them where, told me where they go. Okay. But they were different places. Um, yeah, I didn't get a good answer. I I didn't get a good answer for a long time. I, I went church shopping for a few years, actually. So, okay, well, let me, let me, let's explore this for a second, because I... I actually kind of like the fact that they didn't necessarily give you direction. Because, like, what if they would have, mm-hmm. right? Like, what if they would have pushed you in a certain direction and you, yeah. like, at that point in time, do you think you had 
either the knowledge or did you respect them enough? Like, I feel like I had mentors that if they pointed me in a certain direction, it was like, boy, I'm taking that and I'm going to run with it. Oh, yeah. And they could have told me to jump off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, was, I, I knew that I could not direct my own life. Okay. Okay. And so these guys at least knew Jesus. And I was I was new to that yeah. realm. So I'm like, tell me where to go, yeah. please. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, yeah. It seems like a little bit of a blessing. That's like, yeah, just, you know, for sure. I'm thankful they didn't tell me where to go. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, I think we need to do a, a, a bit of a shift cool. here. Uh, sorry. My Bible's right here. Give me. Uh, and I'll just, uh, <laughs> no, I'm here. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was going to yeah. do some like, don't need to entertain our guests, but, um, okay. <laughs> they so they wouldn't be entertained if I tried. <laughs> there's a verse, um, there's a verse that I think is helpful as like a foundation because I think we ask the wrong question. What church should I go to? We, you know, we're, we're not here to say which music's the right one, which theology is the most accurate mm -hmm. and which one's the, you know, what here are some guidelines to church shopping. If that's what you're expecting. You can just stop the podcast now. I, I recommend you don't because I think we're asking the wrong question. And so there's a verse in Deuteronomy 12, which I think should kind of govern our discussion here uh, and govern our attitude towards this, what I'd say is a ridiculous question of what church should I go to? And that's Deuteronomy 12, 5. And it says, uh, to the place which Jehovah, your God, will choose out of all your tribes to put his name to his habitation shall you seek, and there shall you go. And if you look at the context of these verses in chapter 12, um, the, the, the emphasis is you don't go where you want to go. You go where the Lord chooses. So say, so say that again. What was the emphasis there? So it was put his name? Yeah. To the place which Jehovah your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name to his habitation shall you seek and there shall you go. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like, I mean, <clears throat> right off the bat, right off the bat, when I'm, when I just hear that verse, yeah, I think of, I think of a marriage, mm. like just off the bat, if he's going to put his name on his habitation, it's like, he's going to put his name. I mean, I, I don't, I may be exploring the word habitation is, I don't think I could do that right now, but I, I it seems like it's house. It's like, I'm going to put my name on my household. Yeah. Right. And it's like, what a family does that mm. a husband and a wife do that. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause it's a, we're in the old Testament and it's a type and you know, this obviously it literally refers to Jerusalem, right? The Mount Zion, you know, the mountain in which the temple was built. Right. Um, but I, I think the principle that we need to take from this is we want the Lord's choice. Mm, we good. want what God wants. Yeah. What I want, be it style of music, tradition, theology, children's service, ethnicity, like none of those should be factors. Um, because if those are factors, then we are in it for what we want. We're thinking, what's going to best meet my need, my purpose, right? My, what's going to be most effective for me to, you know, render the worship to God and we might even say to render the worship to God because we we don't we know that's wrong to think all about ourselves. But ultimately, what's governing us when we're church shopping, quote unquote, is our own need. Um, 
And so, yeah, we what we want to talk about here is what is what is the Lord's choice? Mm, yeah. What, where has he chosen to put his name in the New right, Testament? Right. You know? Yeah. And I think it's fairly simple because there's not that many places that it comes up in the New Testament. Yeah. Church. Like if, I think if you look when the church is established in the New Testament and how it's established, it's it pretty much is just based on a city. It's like. The Lord, you know, in the Old Testament, like we just read, he puts his habitation and his people and his like, this is where I want my testimony. Like yeah. This is where my presence will be held. Right. Is in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, it still is in this realm of cities, which I think is really interesting to explore that whole thought anyways. But like that, that's just all that's all we have. In Revelation, you have the Lord speaking to John. Yeah. And he says, right to seven churches, right? To the seven churches. Yeah. And then he lists out seven cities because they were synonymous. They mm -hmm. go, you know, they can be used. Yeah. It's the same with Paul, mm -hmm. the letter to the Corinthians, the letter to the churches in Galatia, which yeah. was a region, a region. right? Yeah. With multiple so, cities. With multiple yeah. cities. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. There's the Romans. Yeah. With, you know, Rome is a city. Rome. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not that complicated. It's pretty simply laid out. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, Paul... <laughs> Paul would never ask that question. What church do I go to? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like he, that that didn't exist. It's like, yeah. what church should I write a letter to? That that was that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. It was, are there believers in this city? Yeah. Because that's how that's how the apostles and the, you know, whatever, the evangelists that were working all together, they were they were, you know, working to establish the church, spread the gospel, make disciples. Yeah. They would do it based on cities. That's just that was just the pattern yeah. that they laid out. <clears throat> and of course, we don't know like exactly the reason why yeah you know, you know what we also don't know exactly the reason why god chose jerusalem in the old testament like yeah. that's just a place he picked yeah it doesn't have to give us a reason he's god mm -hmm. right and so yeah anyways that that's what we have in yeah. the old testament so so for um just for the sake of actually having the verses um the, this is a really helpful kind of string of verses to just kind of have on lockdown in your memory of where you get this principle from. So Acts 14.23 says, uh, or it speaks about establishing elders in every church. Titus 1.5 talks about establishing elders in every city. And so in the New Testament, elders are established in each church. Elders are established in each city because church and city are synonymous. And then to drive home that point is Revelation 1.11, what you just quoted, which is, Write what you you know what you see. Write send it to the seven churches, and he lists seven cities: Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, all these things. So, um, so yeah, for sure, the New Testament's clear as can be. I mean, there's no debate in the New Testament on what a what a church is or what the kind of boundary of a church is. Right. There was no thought of, well, I'm going to raise up a church on this street corner because yeah. you know um, because it's more convenient or because I have I've got a difference. In my, you know, theology, I think, I think I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of how they do it in Northern Corinth. So I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I, I think I have a different spin on predestination. Right. So I'm going to raise up my own church. Like that was not an option. Right. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't a, an option. Or like I have a, we found a new way of singing. Like we're going to be Gregorian chanters. So um, we're going to raise up a, a chanting church on the yep. other side of the street for all the chanters in the city <laughs> that want to, you know, worship with us. Right. Like, what they had to do in the New Testament, and this is actually beautiful to me, is you had to deal with 
um, all the differences in that church. Yep. It forces you to, instead of fleeing, go shop for another one. You have to take the cross, enjoy the Lord's sweet death, learn to deny yourself and enter into this process of transformation. Like the Lord's not after giving us what we want. He's after changing us into who he is. So this matter of church choice nullifies the, you know, the New Testament economy, what God wants to do in humanity. Right. Um, and so this is not a small thing to, to kind of, the New Testament doesn't give us church choice, you know. Right. It gives us one church in one city with one eldership, deal with it and be dealt with actually by the Lord. Um, at least that's how it was in the, in the New Testament right. times. And actually, I'm sorry, real quick. There's this quote. Um that uh, I read recently in, in um, I was reading a church history book and it talks about how, you know, the, the ground of the church or the boundary of a church remained as a, the locality up until, you know, the later in the two hundreds. So this, this is uh, from a guy named Williston Walker it says the word church continued to denote primarily the assembly of Christians in a particular place that is in practice, a particular place polis with its urban center and rural hinterland such cities however varied greatly in size um to his point is you know there weren't multiple churches in one city there one church one city that was kind of how the how it was up until um maybe later and in, in closer to the 300s um maybe late 200s but this is how they how they practiced it right I've got an example. Okay, a quick, a quick example, hopefully. It's in First Corinthians. Yeah, and um, I, let's just explore this together. I don't have a great explanation, so maybe we can just think through it. But yeah, so First Corinthians one eleven said, "For is it has been this is Paul talking. It has been made clear to me concerning you, my brothers, by those of you, or sorry, by those of the household of Chloe, that there are strifes among you." Verse twelve. Now I mean this: that each of you says, "I am of Paul." And I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. I'm just going to stop there. This is interesting to me because this is almost like, because this, this is specifically the household of Chloe. Uh-huh. And there's strifes among, so, you know, this must have mean that there was a either a small group or a cluster of saints in Corinth. I, I would assume it's not the entire church, hmm. but it was a section of the church that, were dividing each other based on teachings mm -hmm. and based on who they followed and who they wanted to be a part of. Yeah. But I, I think what's interesting to me is Paul is still writing this letter to the church in Corinth. Like mm -hmm. his view is still like, I don't care what teaching. I mean, no, that's not true. He does care because he gets yeah. into the next verse and I'll talk about it, but it's like, he's still addressing them as the church in Corinth. Yeah. Like, okay, you, you align with this teaching, you align with this teaching, you're still the church in Corinth. And then mm -hmm. he goes on to explain in verse 13, is Christ divided? Mm. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so he, he gets into, he's basically saying like, he, Christ is not divided. If you want to be, which is, this is what a local church is. The local church is the expression. It's the local expression of the entire body of Christ. Yeah. Right. And so if you want to um, properly express the body of Christ in your locality, there's no division. There yeah. can't be. Right. 
right? And that's that's Paul's that's Paul's point there. But I think the thing I thought was interesting is like Paul's view is still, regardless of the teaching, you are in Corinth and you claim to be a believer. Yeah. You're the church in Corinth. Yeah. So let's get this figured out because we have to have the proper expression. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, I think, yeah, exactly. We're not talking about, um, so only those who, you know, so we need to start, we need to raise up a new church in each city called the church in your city. Right. Yeah. Uh, what we're saying is if you live in a city and you're a Christian, you're part of the church in that city. Mm-hmm. So we're, you and I, we're in Austin right now. So you and I are part of the church in Austin. Yep. That's just a fact. That's the New Testament fact, whether you like it or not, whether you meet with First Lutheran, whether you meet in a free group home church, like you're part of the church in Austin. You're not part of the First Lutheran church because according to the New Testament, that's not a church. That's a name that's been denominated. That's, you know, put on this like particular assembly of Christians in the city. But the New Testament doesn't recognize that as like, this is what a church is. Right. Despite what we might think. Right. It's just the New Testament defines what a church is. It's the Christians in that city for local expression. And it's the church universally. It's all the believers that have always existed. Yep. Yeah. So I I think um, I know we're getting a little long here, but just a couple of points that came up in my mind when I first heard something like this is, well, that was practical in the first century. Um, but now there's so many Christians. Like there's gotta be, there's gotta be a million Christians. Right. In Dallas. There's tons more. There's tons more than there used to be. No way we can meet as one church in that city. What do you do with that? What? Yeah. Do you, okay. This is, this is what, what, um, what's interesting to note is that in Acts 2 and Acts uh, 5, Maybe it's Acts 3. I forget that you see the, the first church established in, in Jerusalem, right? And do you know how many people were there? Was it 400? I think it was like 3,000. Oh, boy. Yeah. Was that off? Yeah. Well, it was 3,000 the first day. Okay. And then it was 5,000 then, then like a few days later. I think it's Acts 5 where, where it says did I get 400. Is that how many was in the? Uh, yeah, go ahead. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So there's a big number. There's, this is that's a big number. Big number. There's, I don't think I've ever been in a church quote unquote service with mm-hmm. that many people. Me neither. Yeah. And you know what? They didn't have the kind of facilities that we have today. So how did? What did they do? A coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, it's a, that's an interesting thing because they there was no coliseum in Jerusalem, mm, but yeah, right, it was right. a big debate or a big uh, fight between the Romans and the Jews about built, raising up coliseums in different cities. Like there were some in like uh, maybe Caesarea, and you know, like there's certain. That's another discussion, but like the Romanizing of different Jewish ah, cities. Okay. Is, okay. Okay, but yeah, mega church. First church was a mega church. Mm. Big, big, big assembly. Like, and, and, you know, they've got some big, big shot pastors, you know, they got the 12 disciples, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what I would, I think most modern or like modern Christians would say is, well, yeah, let's, let's get some big facilities built up. We'll split them among the 12 of us. You know, if the 12 disciples, they'll be, you know, they'll be thriving. Right. Churches. But no, that the New Testament makes it clear. This was one church. It's the church in Jerusalem. They didn't assemble all together each Sunday, each Lord's Day. They met in small groups in homes. But those weren't 
churches, small home churches. It was the church in Jerusalem with one eldership. They just assembled in small groups in houses. So containing this this large number didn't require dividing the church into smaller segments. Like, okay, well, let's chop this up for practicality's yep, sake. Right. Um, so I don't care if you got a million Christians in your city. It's not about the number. It's just the New Testament defines what the boundary is. That you don't all assemble necessarily all together. Even First Corinthians 14, it says, if you all gather together in one place, here's what you do. It was an if, not a when or next Sunday when you gather. Right, right. So yeah, the the numbers argument doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't, it's not an excuse. Um, the other argument. Yeah, let's hear it. Is, well, there's already, I mean, it's such a complicated situation today. There's so many quote unquote churches. There's so many denominations. What do you want to do? You want to, do we, do we rally the troops? Do we start having conversations, you know, ecumenical, <laughs> right. You know, talks like, I don't know. Maybe you should take a stab at this one. Cause I, I don't know. I'm talking too long here. But. No, I, I did actually have a, a small point, but we'll, we'll, we can come back to it in a second about the, the other point you made about the numbers and how okay. the church was administrated. But actually, I'll just say this. Go and look at why Stephen was appointed as a deacon. Mm. It's like if you look at it, there was still one administration, even though it was tons of people and there was some issues. But they did meet in these small groups. But there was still, again, like there was one administration who... Yeah solved some issues. And I guess the other point of that is like, there are going to be issues. Even the church in Jerusalem with the 12 apostles had issues. That's why Stephen needed to be appointed. Yeah. Right. As, right. as a deacon. Yeah. And, okay. Anyways, re read that. <laughs> um, okay. As far as this thought of, <laughs> I, I guess really what we're saying is like, we need to go in and, and we need to go talk to the pastor at First Baptist, whatever, and just, you know, see if we can come to a mutual understanding so there's not, yeah. I don't know if, if that is our task at hand. Mm. I mean, you know, it's like, that's, it's a good question. It's, that's a, it's a tough one for me because I think deep down, like I was, re I, recently I was reading about Paul talking about how he wished he could be cut off. Yeah. So that his kinsmen can, you know, be saved. Mm hmm and, and to some degree, now I don't have that feeling in me. You're right. You're Baptist I, or your kinsman. Will. Yeah, it's it. Well, I just think of yeah, I I do. I think of like I think of people that I'm close to. I think of my, I think of people that influence me, but hold on so tightly to certain teachings mm -hmm. that they can't have fellowship with other types of believers. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I don't feel as strongly as probably I should about it. As in the sense of like the, the amount of sorrow that Paul felt. I mean, the, the, mm. the man's heart was just so in tune with the Lord. But I do, I think I share a, a maybe an, a, a slight little bit of that feeling of yeah. like, man, I want to just talk to all these people and I want them to just be open. I don't care necessarily about convincing them of a certain way. It's just like in my experience, meeting as the church in whatever city, mm -hmm. And having that view towards God and praying with that view, it just has, it just, this is just me personally, has brought in so much blessing, mostly inwardly. Mm. It's just like, boy, I just feel like 
I'm I I'm not I don't know. I I get I just feel like I'm in I'm in tune with what the Lord established. Yeah. On the earth. I'm not I'm not taking and I, I you know kind of going back to the bride thing about taking a name. It's like I don't want to be a part of that mm-hmm. of taking another name from my husband. Like I, I don't my name should just be Christ. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're meeting. We're meeting as the body of Christ in a city. I don't want him to come back and think, why are you subscribed to being a Baptist? Yeah. Like, that's not who you are. Yeah. You're not a Baptist. You're a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so th- I guess that's just my personal feeling of it. I, I don't know how we address. I think, it, you know, I think you can make up all like a bunch of theoretical um, um, scenarios. But overall, it's like, who are you close to? Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's like, who do I know that I'm close to? And hopefully have some fellowship. That's a that's a Christian, mm-hmm. a part of a different type of group. It's like, wh- what kind of fellowship can we have? Yeah. And and is there a door open for us to have this type of fellowship? Mm. If there's not, it can do way more harm than good. Yeah. Right. If there is, then we should be faithful. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's my view. Yeah. No, I, I like what you said. I, I, one um, there, there's a hypothetical scenario i've heard just mm-hmm. to go back to the old testament yeah, yeah. type you know the the lord's name was placed in jerusalem that was the place where you meet so you know at one point in israel's history like the 500s maybe a little earlier um you know there was captivities right they were taken to assyria right. taken into babylon at one point um ezekiel is in is in babylon uh daniel is in babylon Jeremiah, he eventually goes to Egypt. Hmm. He gets carried to Egypt with his Jewish compadres. They kind of gets kidnapped in a sense to, to, to Egypt. It's an interesting story. But you've got major prophets that are clear about God, right? The few on the earth that are clear about God. And they're separated. Some are in Babylon. Some are in Egypt. Hardly any in, in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> God's name his place, the Deuteronomy 12.5 is Jerusalem. So I think the, the question, um, like, do you know, this ecumenical council, do we just go talk to all the pastors? Uh, I think it could be related to, well, if you're Jeremiah or if you're Ezekiel, do you just have this correspondence with those in Egypt or those in Babylon, depending on where you are, and try to coordinate, try to work out how are we going to get back to Jerusalem? When are you going to go? What should, when should we go? What's the, like, what's our strategy? Um, n- not to say we shouldn't have those conversations, but I think the primary thing, what we all want is we want to be, have a clear conscience before the Lord. Like if you're Jeremiah, you know, God's goal is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So your main concern is get to Jerusalem. Like I need to be in Jerusalem. I want my brothers in Babylon to get to Jerusalem, but I know where I need to be. Right. And I shouldn't wait in Egypt until everyone's clear, you know? Yep. So I think my conviction is I want to meet according to how the Bible lays it out. Because when the Lord comes back, like you said, I I don't want to be ashamed to have met in a way that was not according to his heart's desire, but was according to my consumeristic preference or theological bent, which... I don't think the Bible allows for that. So, yeah, I think we meet with how the Bible, how we see the Bible says to meet. Uh, so we have a clear conscience before the Lord. 
And then outside of that, yeah, we fellowship with our fellow believers who might not be meeting that way um, as much as we can. Like if it turns into arguments, then maybe we just stop fellowshipping along that line. I mean, we're brothers because we believe in the Lord Jesus. And we can fellowship exactly. about Christ and Christ alone and have good fellowship. You know, if we disagree on these sides of things, then we disagree, you know. Um, but we have to all be clear before the Lord. We have to take care of how we meet. We're, we're going to be held responsible yep. to the Lord yep. ourselves. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I think that's good. That's a good warning. Yeah. Maybe this is good for now. I mean, this is a, we got a little long here, but um, church shopping. Probably should do it. Portal. <laughs> transfer for yeah. church transfer portal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, well, till next time.